0: Good morning once again, ladies and gentlemen. It is so good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Well, as you all know, we have been in the Gospel of John for quite some time. And I am so grateful that you, so many of you, have stuck with me through this now approaching 18 months I have been preaching through this. You may have noticed that there are Gospels of John out there in the crowd that I have passed out. There are about, I think, another 180 or so of them in the pastor's office. I give them to you freely so that you can give them freely. See, when I began this study, of the Gospel of John. I knew that there'd be a lot of significance to this Gospel as there is. It is shallow enough that the youngest and smallest can come in and gather much. And it is so deep at the deep ends of it that those with multiple masters and PhDs can still only just barely fathom its depths. There is so much Today is titled, Revelation and Restoration. We are in the last chapter. This is the next to last sermon that I will be preaching from the Gospel of John. I didn't hear any cheers. But I want to just take a few minutes because Jesus is revealed afresh and anew in this 14 verses that we see. But I want to remind you of all, well, not all the ways. I'm just going to hit a few of the highlights. I want to start off with what is called the prologue in the beginning of the Gospel of John. And I'm going to read it to you very, very quickly. But I'm also going to talk to you about how Jesus is revealed in this passage. So, do you want to see Jesus? Do you want Jesus to reveal himself to you? Has Jesus revealed himself to you? That's an important question, because if Jesus has not revealed himself to you, to your mind, to your spirit, to your heart, he can and he will if you desire it. Let me read these awesome words from the prologue of the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's Jesus. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. And apart from him, not even one thing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of mankind. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. And I will skip to verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified about him and called out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who is coming after me has proved to be my superior, because he existed before me. For of his fullness we have all received, and grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. God, the only Son, who is in the arms of the Father, he has explained him. Jesus, the Son of God, Jesus the Christ, Existed eternally as God with God before becoming human flesh for the purpose of what? To seek and to save the lost. Well, there's so much I could do. I'm going to close this for now. Jesus has been revealed to us. And oh, how he has been revealed. Let me just recap very quickly and then we'll get into these verses that we've got today. Jesus mentions himself, he reveals himself just as he does in his passage today with the seven I am metaphorical statements. Is everybody familiar with that? I sure hope so. If you're not, you've got a gospel of John in front of you. All of this stuff is right there in your hands. He said I am the bread of life in John chapter 6. Verse 35, 48, and 51. Do you remember what I am stands for? What I am means? In that Jewish society, I am. Ego, I me. Ego, I me. Means, it's a title of God. Remember back, way back, when God spoke to Moses in the burning bush, he said, I am. That's what his name is. Yahweh. Yahweh. He said in the 8th chapter and the ninth chapter of John, I am the light of the world. And in the 10th chapter of John, he said, I am the door of the sheep. And in the, also in the 10th chapter, I am the good shepherd. And in the 11th chapter of John, I am the resurrection and the life. And in the 14th chapter, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, I'm not going into all of these. This is just a reminder for you. Oh, how I love these words. I, love, I would love to, but I can't do it today. And finally, the seventh one, I am the true vine. That's going to come up again a little bit today. I am the true vine. Revelation and restoration, part one. Today is a little more revelation than restoration. Next week, part two, is a little more restoration, just so you know. All right. I know that I want to make sure I've got everybody's attention. So I'm just, for the fun of it, going to ask everybody to say like we just did with that song, Hallelujah! One more time with feeling. Hallelujah! All right. God bless you all. Let's get into it. By the way, For those uninitiated, and I'm pretty sure most of you are, you can read along with me if you like, but you don't have to. We're going to take one slide at a time. And I want you to stop and think about what you're reading. I'm not going to rush through these. I am going to try to get done in a timely manner, but I want you to pay attention. I want you to absorb it. So, let's go with it. After these things... Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, who was called Didymus, Nathanael of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. All right, I'm just going to do a little bit of unpacking, not a ton, After these things, after what things? John frequently, I say frequently, at least a couple of times, mentions this uh, when he says after these things. Its meaning is an an indetermined amount of time since the last events we just read about in the Gospel. We know that it's a short time after. We know that this, as you'll learn later on, is um after the feast of unleavened bread in fact the feast of unleavened bread was all over when jesus revealed himself in the 20th chapter to thomas after having previously revealed himself revealed himself to the other 10 and perhaps others so here jesus revealed himself again remember how jesus just sort of appeared in the midst of the disciples in the last time We don't know if he just materialized or miraculously, like what happened with Peter, an unlocked door became opened, I mean a locked door became opened for him, we don't know. But he suddenly appeared and they were quite startled and he revealed himself then. Today, as we'll read, is the third time post-resurrection that Jesus reveals himself to the disciples. Has he revealed himself to you? Has he revealed himself to you? He had revealed himself already to these disciples, yet he had to do it again, as you'll see. Sea of Tiberias, that's also the Sea of Galilee. That is actually a lake, the Lake of Gennesaret. It has all kinds of different names from different periods, different authorities, whoever was in power at the time. It's not really super relevant. But the last time we saw the disciples, in the last chapter. Where were they? They were in Jerusalem. So why are they in Galilee? Well, because Jesus told them in previous uh, times, not that long before, that he would see them in Galilee. Okay? So that's why they're there. So, Simon Peter, Thomas, we go through the names, and two others, You know, it's not even important who the two others are. If it was, the Lord would have revealed it to us. So let's get on with this. Next slide. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we are also coming with you. They went out and got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. Is this sounding familiar to you at all? Does this sound like another story? Just so you know, they're having a, the disciples are having a little bit of a deja vu experience here. And with good reason. And we'll get into that. Let me keep it moving. They caught nothing. By the way, let's take a look at John chapter 15, verse 4 and 5. Right here. But when the day was now breaking, nope, that's not it. I'm getting myself a little messed up here. No, let me back up. John chapter 15, verse 4 and 5. Having technical difficulties this morning, but if you hold on, I will get there, I promise. Jesus said, remain in me and I in you, just as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, but must remain in the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. Sound familiar? the 15th chapter of the Gospel of John. You may have it in your hands right now. In verse 5, he said, I am the vine. Remember I said we'd mention that again? You are the branches. I am the vine. That's Jesus. You, us, we, are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him bears much fruit. Bears much fruit. For apart from me You can do nothing. All right? Jesus has just revealed himself as the dawn breaks on the Sea of Galilee, Sea of Tiberias, Lake of Gennesaret. They caught nothing. But that's about to change. Why? Because Jesus is there. They went out. You know, they're... I've, I've read a ton of commentaries, listened to a bunch of, bunch of expositors on this. Some think that Peter was, had turned his back on the ministry of being a fisher of men instead of, and he, went, he was going back to his old ways. There's a, a fairly persuasive argument for that, but it's not critical here. So I don't want you to go there. It's not necessary to go there. These men are all fishermen It's what they do for a living. Jesus has been providing for them day after day after day because he's God, because he could provide for them. Now they got to eat. So maybe that's all it was. So they went out, they got in the boat, and that night they caught nothing. Next verse. But when the day was now breaking, Jesus stood on the beach, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. So Jesus said to them, children, you do not have any fish to eat, do you? They answered him, no. Okay, let's stop and think about this. The day is breaking. Jesus is standing on the beach. We know as we read a little bit further on, as it says right here, they didn't know it was Jesus. Why didn't they know it was Jesus? There's a few different reasons. For whatever reason, Jesus' resurrection body looked clearly different. The men on the road to Emmaus didn't recognize him. In virtually every one of these post-resurrection appearances that Jesus made that we've read about in this gospel, Mary didn't recognize him. The other disciples did not recognize him until he said, see the scars in my hands and, and my chest? He had to show himself. We don't know why that is, but we do know that there's something about the resurrected, glorified body that changed his appearance. That's the way it's going to be for us. I'm pretty sure my resurrection body is going to have a full thick head of hair and a 30-inch waist and a 50-inch chest and big bulging biceps. That's what I'm picturing. I don't know if that's really going to be the case, but I can have a little imagination, you know. So, we know that they didn't recognize him simply because it says so. But also, stop and think about this, as you'll learn later, when we get a little further into this. They're about 100 yards from shore. The day is just breaking. Okay? It's not, it's not fully light out yet either. So they don't even know who he is at this point. But he asks a question children. These are not children. Why is he referring to them as children? Lots of speculation, but I can tell you this. It's not a compliment. He's not saying, men of valor. He's referring to them as children, like little children. Now, it's not an outright insult. I don't want to get you wrong here, but this is not a complimentary term. And he anticipates, because Jesus knows the hearts of men. He knows all things, right? Why? Say it with me, he's God. (laughs) He is God. Always has been God. He was God in the scriptures. He is God now. He is God forever and ever. He's always been God. He always will be God. And so he knows what the deal is. And he asks the question simply, you do not have any fish to eat, do you? He already knows the answer to the question, and it presumes the no answer. So they just said no. What happens next? Next slide. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. Whoops, where am I going? I went backwards. What's happening? All right. Let me give you a little reminder here from John chapter 10. This is going to give you a reason to, this is going to be an answer to a question, actually. John chapter 10, verse 27. My sheep listen to my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Do you listen to his voice? Does he know you? This short little verse has a lot of meaning. My sheep listen to my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So then the next verse, he asked them, he said to them, Cast the net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you will, what? Find the fish. So they cast it, and then they were not able to haul it in because of the great quantity of fish. We back it up. My sheep listen to my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. What I want you to remember and take away from this You'll pardon my discombobulation of getting this a little disorganized. What is the difference between failure and success in this scenario? Jesus is always the teacher. He is never not teaching. He is never not using the circumstances in your life to teach you something, to reveal something to you, either about Him or about your situation, about your circumstances, about your spiritual condition, so forth and so on. You remember back in the garden when Adam and Eve had eaten the forbidden fruit and they were hiding themselves from God, and God comes into the garden and he says, Adam, where are you? Do you think he was asking the question because he didn't know? He did know. He always knows. He knows all things, always. He's asking the question for a confession. And he asked the same question, you didn't catch any fish, also for a confession. No. What does that do? It, expl- it shows them, it makes it plain and clear to them by their own confession that apart from Jesus, they could accomplish nothing. Nothing. My sheep listen to my voice and I know them and they follow me. Do you know Jesus' voice? Do you listen to it? Do you follow him? Okay, we've done this. So they cast it, and then they were not able to haul it in because of the great quantity of fish. Guess what happens next? Oh, yeah. Let me tell you. Did I mention that this is kind of a deja vu experience for them? Go back to Luke chapter 5, which is what we've got on the screen right now, and I will read through this fairly quickly. You don't have to say it out loud. I'm going to go right through it quick. Now it happened that while the crowd was pressing around him, remember this is much earlier in the ministry, while the crowd was pressing around him and listening to the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, same body of water, and he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake. But the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little distance from the land. Who's Simon? Simon Peter. It's kind of funny. Simon was his name B.C., before Christ. Peter was his name after Christ. And sometimes it's Simon Peter together. And, well, I won't get into that too much. We have to keep moving on. So asked him to put out a little distance from the land, and he sat down and continued teaching the crowds from the boat. There was reasons for that. I'm not going to get into that this morning. Now, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Sound familiar? It's uh, like I said. What is that uh, music from that old show? Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. I don't even remember the name of the show. Twilight Zone. And strangely enough, today's passage is in the morning twilight. Hmm. And I didn't even plan that. Okay. So, what does Peter say to this? Simon responded and said, Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing. But then he catches himself. He says, But, I will do as you say and let down the nets. And when they had done this, they caught a great quantity of fish, and their nets began to tear. Next verse So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both of the boats to the point that they were sinking. But when Simon Peter saw this, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. He recognized that he was in the the presence of divine power. I don't know if he knew at that time that he was in the presence of God, very God himself, or in the presence of a prophet with the power of God. But he knew, how could he not know, that something miraculous here had happened. For amazement had seized him and all his companions because of the catch of fish which they had taken. And likewise also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not fear. From now on you will be catching people. From now on you will be catching people. That's one of the reasons why some Bible students and teachers believe that by Simon Peter leading the others out to go fishing again, that it was not fully and completely in the will of God or fitting with the calling of God upon their lives. We don't know that, but that's one of the reasons. Okay, back to verse 7 in the present passage. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved, who's that? Who's the disciple Jesus loved? One more time with feeling. John. John, the apostle John who wrote this gospel. And what does he say? It is the Lord. I'm sorry if I get a little bit loud. I have a naturally loud voice. It's why the army wanted me to be a drill instructor for a while. It is the Lord, exclamation point. So when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put, out, he put on his outer garment. Why? We don't know, for he was stripped for work. In other words, he was in his skivvies. Exactly what his skivvies were, we don't know, but it's hot work, it's physical work. He's out there, he's going to go meet the Lord. He can't go like this. So he puts on his outer garment because he was stripped for work. And he threw himself into the sea. Isn't this just like Peter? He's so impetuous, so impulsive. And, you know, quite frankly, as you well know, it didn't always work in his favor, did it? You remember, I'm sure. But you got to give him credit. He had enthusiasm. Peter had genuine enthusiasm and love for the Lord. Now we know, because it's said in other scriptures, that Jesus and Peter had already met once, before this, after Jesus rose. We don't know the details, but Paul speaks of it in Corinthians, and um, I'm drawing a blank uh, where else it mentions, I think Luke. Luke mentions it that, that he had had a meeting. Jesus and Peter had had a meeting. Okay? Remember what happened with Peter the last time he saw Jesus alive, that is, before the crucifixion. You remember? He denied him three times. So I'm sure Peter is still stinging from that. No question, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? So I just want you to be putting yourself in the picture here. All right? So, put on his outer garment, he threw himself in the sea. But the other disciples, being a little more together, came in the little boat. For they were not far from the land, but about 200 cubits away, which is about 100 yards, dragging the net full of fish. So when they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire already made. Now, charcoal fire, isn't that what Peter was standing around in the courtyard of the temple when he denied Jesus? You think that might have crossed his mind? All right. Charcoal fire, already made in what? Fish placed on it. And bread. I, there's one expositor, John MacArthur, cracks me up. I watched his sermon on this. He says, you know how Jesus makes bread? Do you know? Any of you know? Breakfast. How Jesus makes breakfast? Breakfast. And it's just breakfast. It's right there. I think it's funny. I was hoping you'd find it funny too. Breakfast. I wish I could do that, don't you? Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have now caught. Okay, he wants their input on this too. He wants their input. Next verse. So Simon Peter went up and hauled the net to land full of large fish. How many? 153. You know, there's all kinds of people that, from antiquity that have tried to interpret, what does this 153 mean? What is the meaning of this 153? And they've come up with all kinds of, some persuasive arguments, some of them eh, kind of out there in left field a bit. You know what I think it means? It means they caught 153 fish. Okay? I'm not a deep Bible scholar, but I can tell you this much. Fishermen count their fish. Why did they fish at night in those days? They didn't have refrigeration. They didn't have vast quantities of ice. If they were going to sell fish fresh in the morning at the market, they had to catch it overnight. It was easier to catch it in the dark because the torches drew fish to the boat. Okay? So they're counting large fish. Peter goes and pulls this in. Peter is a tough dude. He's a strong dude. He pulls this thing. These fish are probably two or three pounds apiece. So do the math. 153 fish, two or three pounds apiece. So they're astonished. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. The net wasn't torn. How is that even possible? In the Luke 5 account, the nets were tearing. It was breaking under it. What's the difference this time? Jesus, always the teacher, is making the point. You do his, way, his will his way when he tells you to do it. This is, a, this is a lesson, a spiritual lesson. This isn't so much about fish. This is about the gospel, spreading the gospel, going out and catching men. Catching men, you know, when you catch fish, they're alive and shortly thereafter, they're dead. The difference when you're catching men is they're spiritually dead when you're catching men for Jesus, but they're coming to spiritual eternal life. Strong and important difference. And the lesson here is that when you are doing the work of God catching men for Jesus, the net will never break. The gospel will never break. The gospel of John that I've put in your hands is part of the net. If you give it to somebody whom you've had a conversation with about Jesus at all, that Gospel of John can do the work. The Word of God doing the will of God, the way of God, when God shows you to do it. When God shows you to do it. Let's look at Acts chapter 2, verse 41. So then, those who had received his word were baptized, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. Okay, what, how, what's the big jump here? Why did I do this? I want to remind you that what you're reading in this chapter is almost a foreshadowing of the spiritual harvest That is, to come. When the Holy Spirit comes down, Jesus said the Holy Spirit, he can't come until I ascend to heaven. He has told them to wait in Jerusalem till the Holy Spirit comes. Or he will tell them. Okay? Here's the thing. When Jesus decides to fill your net, you're asking, You're casting his net, his way. When he tells you to do it, how he tells you to do it, if you're doing it his way, you're in prayer, you're in the word, you're in fellowship with him, you're in fellowship with the believers in the church, you are walking in the center of God's will for your life, and you are doing as he commands to go and make disciples. Okay, Or in the parable of the sower, scattering seeds. He brings forth the increase, we do not what is he saying? What what am I showing this to you for? All night long, these men, professional fishermen who knew how to catch fish had spent their lives up to that point fishing in this very body of water and they didn't even catch one. Not even one. And all it took was them to listen to what Jesus had to say and to do it immediately, without hesitation, do exactly as he said, exactly when he said, how he said, and guess what? Jesus says to the fish, We don't hear him say it, fill the net. It's the same way when you are handing that Gospel of John to someone out there who you've had a chance to have a conversation with, I hope. It doesn't have to be Something super-duper, just bearing witness that you are Christ's and he is yours. If they are drawn to that conversation, if that topic has come up, you can put that Gospel of John in their hands. You can pray for them. You can read it with them. There's all kinds of different ways you can go with it. There's a plan of salvation in the front of that Gospel of John. There's 180 more of them in the pastor's office. So don't be bashful. we got plenty more left. Why am I bringing this up? Why am I pounding on it? Because this is the very purpose for our existence. You are still drawing breath on this earth if you are in Christ. If you have been saved by him yourself, you are drawing breath and still alive and and doing what you're doing because God wants to put people across your path who you can bear witness to, with whom you can share Jesus. That little pocket gospel of John is a very easy, simple, non-threatening way to do it. You don't have to be Billy Graham. You don't have to be Stan the Blabbermouth. You can do it your way. Genuinely. Your way. In Christ, your way. Christ's way, your way. Let me correct that. Jesus' way. Let me give you another example. Verse 47 of Acts, chapter 2. Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. If you go out fishing without the Lord, what's going to happen? You know the answer, don't you? It's a big N-word, isn't it? Nothing. Nothing. If you go out not prayed up, not having been in the word, you're not walking the way the Lord is teaching you, is telling you in his word how to do it, nothing's going to happen. You can toil all night, all day, weeks, months, years on end, and if you're not doing it alongside and in the presence and in the center of God's will, with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as your companion, nothing's going to happen. But here's the flip side of that coin. If you go with him doing it his doing his will his way when he tells you to do it trusting in faith walking in the spirit you can't fail you can't fail do you understand that you cannot fail when you are being obedient to the lord even if you don't see the immediate sign you're still winning When you're walking in the way of the Lord, you're still winning. You may plant the seed and not see the harvest. Someone else may see the harvest. Paul speaks to that later on. I'm getting ready to wrap it up. Honest, I I told you I would. I'm going to make it quick. Verse 12, Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Hold it, stop. How does Jesus make breakfast, everyone? Breakfast. None of the disciples ventured to inquire of him, who are you, knowing that it was the Lord? It's kind of weird that they would put that there, isn't it? Who are you? Why would they even ask? They know it's, he's the Lord. Well, like I said, he doesn't look like the Lord they remember. He's in a resurrected body. You know, we're all going to have a resurrected body too. Mine's going to have, like I said, a thick, full head of hair. and I won't get into that any more of that. But just imagine, your resurrected body is going to be so much better than the one you've got now. So much better. No aches and pains. You won't need sleep. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. So who are you knowing it was the Lord? Verse 13. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And the fish likewise. This was how, this was now the third time that Jesus revealed himself to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Okay. I have not told you a whole lot that you didn't already know. It's vitally important that you understand that I'm not setting the world on fire up here this morning and telling you deep theological truths. I want you to see the power of, of obedience to Jesus. And now, after Christ has gone to heaven, he is interceding for us as our high priest. He's praying for us. And he is essentially with us with the Holy Spirit in us. The Holy Spirit that brought forth thousands of people just in those two verses in Acts chapter 2 can do the same thing through us. When Jesus is serving them bre- breakfast and serving them fish and bread, don't you think they were having a deja vu moment about how Jesus fed the 5,000? That was 5,000 men. That's not all the people. 5,000 men. The rest of the families, there were as many as 20,000. Same thing in, in Acts, chapter 2. I want you to see. I want you to know. I want you to think. I want you to understand You have the power within you if you are in Christ and you have the Holy Spirit within you to do this mighty, powerful work. And you don't have to do the heavy lifting. You don't have to pull in a net that's three or 400 pounds. All you have to do is do what Jesus said. Do what he's telling you to do. Share Jesus with that Gospel of John. All right, let me close here. he said that we would bear much fruit. Do you want to bear much fruit? When you get to heaven, do you want to hear God say, well done, good and faithful servant? Bearing much fruit includes the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, love, joy, peace, patience, and that whole list. But it also involves doing as he commanded in the Great Commission, to go to all the nations and what? Make disciples. And all you got to do is what I've already told you to do. All right? Is everybody with me? Do I hear an amen? All right. I'm going to wrap it up right there. I'd love to give you a wonderful story. In fact, I will give you a little bit of a story. After I had first become discipled in 1993, I took a little blue tract. And I honestly believed that with the power of God's word in that tract and the little pictures it had in there, that I could talk to people about what Jesus had done for me. And I had prayed fervently, Lord, put people in my path. I'm not going to tell you the number, but it was a lot of people in a matter of a year or two, a lot of people, including friends and relatives, that I led through what they call the sinner's prayer, and people can quibble over whether that's biblical or not. You know what? Those people are going to church now. They're bearing fruit now, most of them, not all of them. That's the way that works, you know. But I believed Jesus at his word. And I led a number of people. Now, I can't take the glory. It was God doing it. It, I was just a tool. But you have any idea how awesome it is to see people come to the Lord, come to your church for the first time, a few weeks later get baptized, and see them weeks and months later walking with the Lord. They're going to Bible study. They're coming to church almost every Sunday. And to see their lives change People who couldn't stop drinking, who are now sober. People who couldn't stop drugging, who are now straight. They're not drugging anymore. Men who are cheating on their wives, who are now reconciled to their wives and being faithful and true. God can work miracles through you. And I want you to understand you have that power within you, the Holy Spirit, along with the Word of God, doing what He calls you to do, and it's not even heavy lifting. That's what I want to remind you of. If this guy can do it, you can do it. Most of the time back in those days, I was covered in concrete dust and grease and diesel fuel Nobody was impressed by the way I looked. Well, I guess that much hasn't changed, has it? (laughs) All you have to do is be real and be true to your Lord. And he can work miracles and change lives. You want to change the world? This is how you change the world. You don't like how things are going in this world? This is how you change it. So I'm asking you to please do that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your faithfulness in your word, for the provision you have given us. Father, we are so grateful that you give us this wonderful opportunity to have, to make a difference, as the word is said so many times, to make a difference in people's lives in real ways and for all of eternity. Father, thank you. We ask that you would empower us and embolden us and encourage us to go forth and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all the things that Jesus has taught us in his word. Bless us, Father, to that end. In Jesus' name, amen.